You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, producer Darren here. Have you heard? Cindy Stewart has a new book. It's called New Moves of God. This book will open your spiritual eyes to see what God is doing so you can position yourself to be part of one of the most significant invasions of world culture in kingdom history. It will empower you to step into God's moves as he releases new anointings and new assignments that will far surpass your wildest imaginations. If you're a listener of her podcast, I'm sure that caught your attention. You can get your hands on that book right now. Just visit cindy-stewart.com or check out the link in the description or show notes. Again, that's cindy-stewart.com. Cindy Stewart podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Hey, this morning we're going to talk about how our future is going to surpass our past. And you know, I just heard testimony after testimony after testimony. So there we go. That's the message. I mean, when you think about it, it is. It is the message that our future is going to surpass our past. And I was actually praying one morning and the Lord said that to me. And I was like, huh. And there's a song by, do you know who Israel and the New Breed is? He, there's a song by him called that. Uh, so I listened to that a little bit, listened to that a little bit. And uh, the Lord's had me read Moses's life, especially his early life. And so we're just going to spend some time talking about what we can expect because it's going to be better than what we've had. And it doesn't even mean that what we've had has been bad. It just means God keeps getting better and better. He has better and better plans for us. He doesn't get better. He's always good. You know what I mean? You know, you have to interpret this through what I'm thinking, not actually through what I say. So, you know, we don't have to worry about that. But, you know, think about it. When we are focused on God, everything looks different than when we aren't. So when we focus on God, of course, we're able to do all things through Christ. We've already had several preaching messages this morning, all things through Christ who strengthened me. You know, we're, we're able to do things that are totally impossible to us because our focus is on him, which enables us to see the way he sees versus the way we see. So we're seeing from a spiritual realm instead of a natural realm. But the spiritual realm allows us to operate in the natural realm because we have his vision. Right. So uh, as I was thinking about the, you know, the latter is going to be better than the past. I was thinking about Haggai. We know that scripture. I'm just going to read it. I looked up all the scriptures about this. It says the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And, you know, that is what we're moving into. We're moving into a greater glory. We've seen a demonstration of it over and over and over on Sunday mornings, through our lives, through Friday nights, through our testimonies. We're seeing a greater glory than we've experienced before. And we understand that the greater temple, you know, the temple they're talking about is Solomon, but really the greater temple is the temple in us. Yeah. 
Right. And we all are saying, yes, I know that. that we're going to stand up and preach with me because it is true. And, you know, really, when we talk about the temple of God that lives in us, the oneness of Christ in us, it empowers us to do all things through him because he lives in us. Uh, the other scripture was out of Job's eight, Job 8, 7. It says, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. And that's what we know that even Ephesians 3.20 says that he will give us abundantly more than we can ever dream or imagine. So our focus is on the abundance in life, in health, in calling, in fulfillment. It's the abundance of all things through Christ. So we're going to go to Job. I mean, no, we're not. We're going to go to Moses in Exodus 3.11. Talk about him. Like I said, I've been reading over and over just kind of the early of his life and just thinking about, you know, our born again experience becomes this aha awakening to a God we didn't know. We might have heard about him. Uh, we might have had some church with, with that his name mentioned. But our born-again experience opens us up to an intimacy and a relationship with a God we didn't know, inviting us in to become one with the God of everything. And I think that is one of the most powerful messages right now is understanding our identity is with the one who created everything, the one who gave everything. But we are completely one with him. And if we can't remember anything else, that alone will get us through all things, right? So Exodus, as I was reading through it, and I was thinking about, you know, we talk about the burning bush a little bit, but I was thinking about... Moses, and as he's called to do this incredible thing, to be the deliverer, to get the people out of the Egyptians' hands, to take the oppression that they're under and break them out. And I feel like that's a word for us. There's an oppression that we're under that we're being called to break out of and break the others out of with us. And, you know, when we think about Moses, he was a single man who moved toward this. God is calling a body to move toward this. That there is a time of oppression being broke because the people of God are rising up and saying, I'll take the hard thing. Whatever that is, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what to do. All I know is I will take the hard thing that you've given me to do. I got a few maybes. I got a couple amens and a couple of like, you just preach to yourself all day long because. <laughs> but, you know, I was just thinking about the questions that Moses asked God. He asked him in Exodus 3.11, who am I? Who am I to take on this hard thing? Who am I to be the deliverer of my city, of my nation? Who am I to be the one that's going to stand up and say, demonic forces, God has called me to take the people that you have out of your hand and move them into freedom. So let them go. You know, Moses is like, who am I? And God's like, you are who I called. 
But even with that, it's not like he said, oh, yeah, then that makes it all good and I am ready to go. You know, there is a journey when we have a calling that is so beyond us. There is a journey of transformation mentally and emotionally that we have to go through in order to step in. And it doesn't happen overnight. Or that would make us, all of us, wonder people. You know, we'd be like, oh, you call me? I'm going to do it. Oh, it's going to be hard. No worries. We just, we don't function like that. Because there's a transformation process that happens within us. So, you know, Moses is like, who am I? Uh, Exodus 3.11. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I should face the demonic oppression that is coming against the people around me? And tell the demonic oppression to let go. Who am I? And the Lord speaks to him in verse 12. He says, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Well, that was clear. You know, th- you know, God tells us, and if you read through this, just this first part, God tells Moses everything that's going to occur. He's gonna, he tells him about facing Pharaoh how Pharaoh will not listen, how he's going to harden his heart. He tells him the whole story. But he doesn't tell him moment by moment, hour by hour, what's going to happen. He just says, I'm going to be with you. The hour, the hour, the second by second, I am with you. So Moses is like, okay, so you're with me. Verse 13, then Moses says to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, so he's got to go to his own people. Sometimes your own people need to know that you're anointed and called. So you have to give them a sign that God has spoken to you. So he goes to his own people and he says, okay, who are you? So who am I going to say send in me? Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they say to you, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. So it doesn't matter what people think of you. It's it's whether they actually know the God who sent you. Because he even says to them, what if they don't believe me? Well, if they don't believe you, that has to be between them and God. Because if God has anointed you and sent you, then he'll deal with them the same way he dealt with all of them within this little scriptures between chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. You can read that later. But we're so afraid that they're not going to take us seriously or believe us or trust us. But if God has anointed us and given us the sign that he is with us, then we can't worry about what their response is. Our only response is the obedience to what God has called us to do. It's funny because if you had people who kind of give you the like tilted head when you start telling them what God is saying, they're like, you're like, really? They're like, hmm, okay. Let me pray about it. Bless your heart. I'm so glad you showed me that. 
But you know, when God's anointed us, we're going to have people opposing us that are not just the demonic control, but it is the religious heart that comes against us because the move of God frightens everybody. It does. And if God is moving in this pace in which he's moving now, it's going to cause some people not to believe. But on the other hand, it's going to cause people to believe. You know, it says in Corinthians, to some were fragrance and to some were stench. And God takes care of that. We just do what we're supposed to do, right? So anyhow, he, uh, in uh, chapter 4.1, he says, Then Moses said, uh, answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he goes through the process. He said a rod. And uh, verse 3, it says, And he said, Cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it by the tail, and it became a rod, that they may believe that the Lord God of their father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then he goes on and gives another sign. So God will give signs that will align with their heart, that will resonate with them that he has sent you. Then it was It'll be their choice of whether to believe or not to believe, right? But um, I'm saying this because I believe that God has, uh, Pastor Gina given us a word maybe about two or three weeks ago, that God's given us an upgrade. He's given us a promotion. And that promotion is not necessarily one that we would choose, but it's one that we've been called to that we've been destined for. And God gave Moses an upgrade. He was out there all settled in his life, comfortable with his wife, you know, watching over the sheep. And God said, let's go. It's time that you raise up and be a leader to free the people who are oppressed by the enemy because it's my season for a harvest and really just opening up the gates of the prison to set the people free. And ask God, what is my part in this? Because we all carry a part in this. This, I, I'm telling you, this dividing of the Red Sea, that word the Lord gave me about dividing of the Red Sea, it is a time that God is dividing the Red Sea uh, that has been blocking the people from seeing him, from encountering him, so that there is a path to the promised land for the people who have been seeking him for so many years, but haven't actually had that aha moment that Jesus is Lord. And this is really a whole part of the harvest. Okay. <sighs> We're going to go to verse 10 in chapter 4. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. So I know you've been working, but it hadn't worked on me. That's basically what Moses said. You know, I wasn't, I couldn't do it before. I can't do it now. So his question is, Lord, I can't do it. I just can't do it. 
And you're going to say that probably through this process, Lord, I don't know if I can do this, but he's like, I don't care what you know. All I know, all he knows is he's called you and you can do it. Just think about as God has called us to be the freedom people for those who are oppressed. To heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to cleanse the leopards, to bring salvation to the people who don't know Jesus. That really is what God is calling us to do. And we're going to face the Pharaohs in our companies. We're going to face the Pharaohs that live next door to us. We're going to face Pharaohs of all kind that are of greater power. But God is saying, if you will allow me to open the door that I have for you, where you can see what's in front of you and step through. I will seat you with kings, with governors, with presidents, with people you never thought you would be with. Hawaii, you know, I mean, God can make things happen for us in a way that we never thought it could happen. And we think it, it's just going to be little old me and the grocery store guy, you know, that I've gone to visit. But God is looking for you to to look higher in higher realms of influence in higher realms of influence. And uh, his next statement to God is, uh, isn't there someone better to send than me? I can't do all this. I'm sure the person sitting next to me can. And we all think that there's someone who can do it different, do it better. But God's just like, no, I wrote it down before the beginning of time. Marquita, calling you to that president to speak the truth to. He's written it down before the beginning of time. And I think we need to write our names down on a piece of paper. Cindy, God has called you for something much bigger than you could ever do. And it will scare you. But know he is with you and know that kingdoms will fall that has set himself up against God because you decided to walk through the door that God opened. It's time. It's now. We're going to go to Isaiah 60 for a minute. Earlier when we were praying, Rivka had seen these waves of God's glory just kind of over uh, going through the building. And um, I feel like that's what's happening outside. There's these waves of God's glory that I think uh, people aren't recognizing until they do. You know, we talked a little bit about it last week. We talked about how the fragrance was in the air. And everybody's trying to figure out what it is until we figured it out. It was God, right? And we heard several testimonies about it. Isaiah 60. Okay. So arise and shine for your light has come for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and the deep darkness, the people. But the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. I think that is a critical scripture for this season too. We, under, we need to understand that there's deep darkness all around us, but we're the light that shines on the deep darkness. We're the light that makes the deep darkness cower. 
We're the light that will remove the deep darkness from the people who are covered in it in order for them to arise up in the light of the glory of the Lord with us. You know, when we think about the body of Christ, we are the light. We are the light of the world. And it doesn't matter where they are in their journey. As long as we are seeking God, God will use us where we are to accomplish what he wants to happen. So it's really not about comparison of what's happening in this church or that church or with this person or that person. It's really about interceding for the whole body to be such a blinding light in the time of darkness so that the people who are caught up in the darkness can be set free into the light. And that's each one of us and collectively as a whole. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. And we talk about this. There's so many parts in just this little section, but let me just talk about a couple of them. First of all, we are seeing the rising of the glory of the Lord around us. I mean, we are physically seeing it. It is just, it's just happening. And, and it's not like we're doing anything to make it happen. It is the time and the season for an abundance of glory to surround the earth. And that light is shining through us, his people. And he is positioning us, and I've talked about this a zillion times, new assignments, new anointings. He's positioning us in a place that we haven't been before because where he's sending us needs us as the breakthrough for the kingdom. Yes, yes. So you're excited about that, right? Yes, yes, yes. And it says, then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. This financial shift is serious. It is serious. The financial shift of the Lord is serious in this hour. And um, I know that... Uh, again, that's something I've talked a lot about because God wants us to be positioned financially to be able to provide for the world that is desperate for provision. We were with somebody. Uh, oh, we were eating uh, dinner with Mary and Larry the other night. And we were talking about that if every person, everyone who called themselves a Christian tied in in the world, I'm not talking about just in America, that the world would be without hunger. It would never have a water issue. It would never have a housing issue. That it would be fully taken care of because the body of Christ had, has the financial provision to take care of the world. Now that is a stunning kind of almost mind-blowing thought because I think the statistic is I think, I think it's like 20% or 25% of Christians actually tithe. But when we think about it, and, and this isn't a teaching on tithing, it's really just understanding the bigness of God. That's what we're trying to understand. It is not the smallness of us. 
It is the bigness of God that has set a, a plan and a principle and a pattern for us to follow in order to take care of the world. And like I've said before, Rick Joyner says, when there is a disaster, they should run to the church and we should have financially more than enough to take care of every disaster that occurs. And we see that with Samaritan Purse, Morningstar is doing it. There's many other ministries doing that. But that is the mindset that we have to get is that there is such a big God who isn't calling us to do something that he hasn't already planned for us to do. He he technically has written out this plan that will do exactly what we're talking about. It will dismantle kingdoms. It will provide for nations. His plan will heal the sick. His plan will protect I mean, his plan is already laid out for us. And of course, you know, Jesus completed the plan that the father started so that we could be one with Christ. And it's all in motion. So part of the all in motion is understanding that the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And we're the glory that he's sending out to them so them can become us and there will be this dynamic shift across the world and that's what we're seeing now we're beginning to see a dynamic shift across the world and you know actually a big uh, part of it started um, at COVID because people started saying first of all what do I believe what am I called to do? How am I going to help people? And, and they began to think outside. They started asking questions that invited God to give them answers. And you even think about the Sean Foyts of the world who have been out in the streets worshiping, getting fined, all that kind of stuff. But what's happened is he became a sign and a wonder for this to be released. So now the big thing is, I just saw something on uh, Facebook this morning. My friend, uh, our friend Larry Sparks is in San Francisco. And there's this big worship thing just spontaneously happening in the streets because some people took some guitars and stuff and started singing. And, and what it is, it was almost like there was a freedom button pushed. And we just decided to go beyond what we were comfortable with because we were being oppressed in what we normally did. And oppression brings one or two things. It brings a fighting spirit or a fearing spirit. And we have to determine which are we. When oppression comes toward us, then we have to decide, are we going to fight or are we going to cower? Are we going to live in the fighting shape that God has given us or in the fearing shape the enemy has provided for us. And that really is what we're in right now. God is calling us all to be fighters, but our fighting looks different. It isn't hand-to-hand combat. I preached on this last week. It really is. We're worshiping you, God. You're directing us on where to go. You're showing us how to win the battle 
in the most strategic way that will take the most territory for the kingdom. And when we look at Moses, that's what he did. It was very strategic. It was very hard. You know, once they got out of Egypt, then he had to deal with his own people. We know that's hard when we have to deal with our own people, right? But they have to deal with us too. So, you know, <laughs> but then he had to, you know, get them to follow the cloud, follow the fire. And we understand that the cloud and the fire live in us and lead us every step of the way. So uh, it's, it's really fun. And I just wanted to read, I'm going to read two other things. I'm going to read uh, this out of Numbers 12. Let me find it here. Because when we think about Moses' five questions in the beginning, um, and then we look at what God says about him toward the end. This is, I love this because this is, this is the journey we're on. This is the journey we're on. It says, now hear my words. This is uh, verse six, chapter 12. Now hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. That's what I want God to say about every one of us, to say about us. That, that he looks at us and says, this one was faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face. Even plainly, not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. And that's, that's I'm going to read on that part. But that's, what, that's where God has taken us. He wants us to have that face-to-face -face with him, that we see him, that we can follow him, that he speaks to us as a friend, as a confidant, as someone that whatever he says to us, not only do we treasure it in our heart like Mary did, but we follow the path that his words have given us. So that we can bring that breakthrough and at the end of our life, not only is he saying, well done, my good and faithful servant, but at the end of our life, God's going to be saying, he is so healthy. She is so healthy. She, her body won't die. She's got so much glory of me inside of her that I'm going to have to take her because her body ain't giving it up. That's what we want. We want to be so one with God that we are filled with his glory, that the transformation of healing is coming over our body wherever we need it, that when it comes for us to die, when God says, it's your time, your body's like, but I just can't give up my breath. He's like, that's okay, I'll help you. Because we've been such good and faithful, because we're such friends of God, because he sees us face to face, because he looks at us and says, I can entrust you with a nation. I can entrust you with the heart of a king, that you will not curse him, but you will bless him, that you will move him on or help exalt him higher in the way that I intended him to be, that your nation will be where it is as a kingdom nation because of what you've done, because the assignment that you've completed, because the journey that you're on with me. God is shifting us to be nation people. 
and to provide a nation for the kingdom of God that will be better than its past, that will be a future glory for God, and that all the people in it will declare the holiness and the goodness of God. That we're not going to let go of anybody until they say yes. <laughs> but I believe that that is a wave of the spirit. And, you know, there's always going to be new people coming to Christ. There's always going to be people that don't know him. But our fulfillment right now, our assignment, our mantle right now is to take on the hard things that God's given us. Whether we feel like we can do it, whether we want to do it or not. But it's to take on those anointings, those assignments, those positionings in these new places and watch God move heaven and earth so that you can fulfill what he's called you to do. Amen. Amen. So this is my last scripture because I feel like this is going to be our next section of movement is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. It says, and he appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. As they do, this will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in faith until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. Amen? So, Lord, we just thank you that there are hard things to be done, but we're the ones who can do it. We're the ones that you've anointed with the grace to be able to accomplish the works of the ministry, to build up the body until we obtain that perfection in you, Lord. And just as Moses did, he sought you face to face. He asked for your glory. He asked you to show him everything so that he would know you in the very depth of what knowing you is available to us, what is possible. And you said yes. So, Lord, we just thank you that there is a, just a release over us of just a fearsome fight within us for the kingdom of God and a, and a willingness to steward everything that you have for us. And, Lord, the um, last time I, I just keep on seeing that uh, it's almost like a rain falling on us that will uh, heighten our sensitivity to you and just increase this level of yada, of knowing, of oneness with you. So, Lord, we just want to be called your friend. We want to be called someone that you could just trust the very depth of your heart with and the assignment that you have for this, for this day and season. And, God, we just look forward to territory being taken for harvest, to be full, for people's hearts to sing to you, and to worship, uh, worship to cross our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for 
joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.